welcome to A Nature Calls, a podcast all about nature with each episode featuring a topic from the true to the silly to the bizarre. I'm Renee, the manager of Red Oak Nature Center in Batavia, Illinois, and with me is... Hey, it's Christy, the environmental education supervisor. And today on episode... Eight. eight. <laughs> we are talking all about fabulous February. Wow. Silly animal adaptations, groundhogs, eagles, and roses. So let's start out with February, shortest month of the year. It's the shortest month, but it is jam-packed full of fantastic things. Like what? (laughs) I think she's alluding to her birthday being in this month. Stop it. Now everybody knows a secret fact. Older, when you're my age, you'll get it. But no, it it has (laughs) lots of different holidays and traditions. We're talking about Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. We're talking about Valentine's Day, President's Day. Abraham Lincoln's birthday, George Washington's birthday. It's like National Heart Month, National Black History Month. They have crammed so many awesome things into the shortest month of the year, which is why February is fabulous. February is. It's also the, one of the most misspelled words in the English language. Unless Fe- your birthday is in February. <laughs> February. People forget that R. They do. They Feb. F e b r u a r y, and it, it often gets skipped. And February comes from the word, the Latin word "februm," which means purification. So apparently, we're supposed to just clean and pure everything. In you the know, month of February. When it's cold here in Illinois, I yeah. feel the need to clean extra just to stay healthy Busy. and on top of things. Yeah. And especially with this lovely. COVID year continuing into 2021, yes. I feel the need to be extra clean too. So maybe Februm is perfect because we're purifying. So we just had Groundhog Day pass here in the United States on February 2nd. And I just learned that they celebrate that in Canada as well, which was surprising. Well, believe it or not, its origins actually started off in Europe, in Germany. Okay. And um, there's a holiday called uh, Candlemas. Candlemas? Yeah. Candle, it looks like Candlemas. Like, Candlemas. Like many candles. Um, and it's really the hedgehog or um, the European badger that they would look to um, to see if they were going to have a longer winter. So on this Candlemas day, if it was sunny, then it was a longer winter for them. Was it six weeks, do you know, or just longer winter? It just said longer winter. Okay. I mean, maybe they didn't have weeks back then. I don't know. <laughs> they did have weeks back then. Okay, just checking. Um... <laughs> But what's interesting is when the first settlers came over, they didn't have, well, we still don't have hedgehogs out here. So the most closely similar looking animal to them was our groundhog or our woodchuck. Or whistlepig. Or whistlepig. And so they just kind of uh, defaulted to using that guy as our uh, weather teller. So a weather barometer, so to speak, an animal weather barometer. Um, so with Groundhog Day this year in 2021, we have one famous groundhog that most people turn to to find out if there's going to be six more weeks of winter if he sees his shadow, and that's Puxatawney Phil mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania. Yep. And he did see a shadow. Now he does not have to see a shadow, according to the people that handle him. He just has to cast a shadow. So I don't know why we say the groundhog has to see a shadow. We just know. have to see the shadow of the groundhog. But. I call fake news on that. Fake news. Because if anybody watched it, there's no way he would have seen a shadow. It was snowing in Pennsylvania. There was no sun going on. So how did he see a shadow? 
Well, I guess the tradition is that at sunrise, there's an inner circle of uh, Punxsutawney Phil that take care of him. This is all according to an article in Life Science that says that the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, yes. mm -hmm. they woke him up at 7.25 a.m. and they wanted to see if he cast a shadow. And I guess he did at that moment. At that, and that's, that's when they record it. But he has predicted 104 forecasts of more winter and 20 early springs. So he definitely leans one way. I, 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 I smell something with that. There's just something stinking about that. But you know what? Here's the thing. Here in the Great Lakes, we don't have the same no. weather no, we don't. as Pennsylvania. We don't. So we would rather focus on Woodstock Willie. Woodstock Willie of Illinois, okay. Uh, Illinois, Woodstock, uh, Illinois, who did not see a shadow. Okay. Which means spring is going to arrive early. Now, so I, I would <laughs> much rather lean towards Woodstock Willie. Well, I will say that according to this article, the data from the Storm Facts Almanac shows that Phil's six week prognostications have been correct only about 39% of the time. Ooh. So it's okay if he saw it or he didn't see it. He's. <laughs> He's got less than a 50-50 shot of being correct. He's worse than a weatherman. <laughs> he, is, he is worse than a weatherman. Weathermen, according to Weather Underground, they are happy if they're right 60% of the time. Really? Wow. So okay. that explains sometimes why you grab that umbrella, folks, and you <laughs> you don't Just always okay. need it. Well, the good news is, is February marks the end of the meteorological winter. Yes. So either way, we're, we're already looking forward towards spring. We are looking forward to spring. And February, going back to a little bit about our history of the month, is yeah. the only month where it's possible to go the entire month with no full moon, but not this year. Oh, because it's short. It's short. It's too short. It's short. And the full moon's going to happen this year on February 27th at 2.17 a.m. So a little earlier than Phil likes to get up, sure. but maybe a good sign that spring, like you said, is coming. And full moons all have special names. So what is this February full moon called? Okay. Well, now you know what's coming, right? Is uh -huh. We've got snow predicted, and this... Stop. Apropos name <laughs> no, of our full no, moon no. is called the snow moon. No. It is the snow moon. So February 27th, we'll see if we still have snow on the ground or perhaps more snow, but it is the snow moon. Now, February is also the month of love, and there are a lot of adaptations that animals have to kind of show their love through the act of trying to mate. So they have adaptations that do this. And one of the ways that they like to do this is through giving of gifts. Well, that's sweet of them. Isn't that nice to give Aww. a gift? So, but we're not talking like diamond necklaces and boxes of chocolate. Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. Although I will say that Adelaide pink penguins, I mean, they do like to give rocks, not diamonds. Okay. On the rocky beaches where they live, the smoothest shiny pebbles Males will bring to females and offer them, and if it is accepted, they will become a couple. That's how they woo each other. Um, and then they get, have a pair bond, which is pretty cool. But I've also heard and seen, and you can look this up on the internet, when those Adelaide penguins say, nope, that rock is not shiny enough, <laughs> the wooing has to continue, and the poor little penguin has to try to go find another perfect rock Aww. and pick it up in its flippers and offer it, and uh, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you gotta make them work hard to know they're going to be a good provider. Yes. We'll go with that. Okay. Well, something a little less lovely than a shiny rock. The great gray shrike 
gorgeous bird. They um, live in warmer climates, more more dry than here. Okay. Um, to woo, if we're gonna stick with wooing, we're gonna use wooing as our wooing. as our to woo wooed. a potential mate. They will actually impale food onto sharp objects for them to see. So it could be a lizard or a cricket or part of a snake, but they will take it and they'll just stick it on a spike for everyone to see to be like, hey, I can provide this food. I have great offering here. Let me feed you up. I like that. I mean, because I like s'mores. I like roasting marshmallows. So if someone wants to impale a marshmallow on the spike and offer it to me, I'd be like, okay. (laughs) Nice wooing. (laughs) That's that's one way. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I know your favorite is spiders and um, nursery web spiders. They bring snacks to each other. So keep it on the food idea. The male nursery web spider will bring carcasses, Ew, a prey. So not even something for them to eat. No, but it's wrapped in silk, so it's very fancy. It's wrapped in their silk, okay. and then they offer it to the female. And it was thought once that it was a show of parental investment, but scientists now <laughs> believe it's meant so. to prevent her from eating him. So it's oh, like, hey. here's a snack. Here's a snack. I'm Make sure you're you. well fed. Don't think of me as a treat. So that, that that's a gift. Lover. It's a good gift. Lover. For weird? Yeah. Oh, my word. There's a lot of weird things going on in nature, folks. So one of them, I think that since I gravitate towards the ocean, <laughs> humpback whales will have almost like an arena rock way of attracting females. So when they're wooing, they like to get in a chorus. And so males will gather in large groups, and scientists call these arenas, and then they spread out and all sing together to let the females know where they are. So, underwater rock concert? That's pretty cool. That's pretty weird for animals. I mean, for the, from the big to the small, uh, water boatmen, which we can find in our streams and, and ponds here. Not a whale. They a bug. also make loud noises. Oh, okay. So water boatmen are little macroinvertebrates that live in fresh water. Mm-hmm. And um, on the undersides of their bodies, okay. they will actually make a um, scraping noise. Like a washboard? Like kind uh, of that you know, washboard I'm sound? I'm not really sure if it's like that, but they make this like vibrating sound that is said to reach up to 99 decibels. That's loud. That's loud. That's like a lawnmower that's, that's pretty close to you. Well, and you can't miss that. Tiny little bug that, that's underneath the water. So I, I, I don't know what it sounds like underwater, but I'd be interested to be like, well, stick what are, my ear in there. I don't know. I, well, if, I'm going to say it's loud, and you can't say you missed the call. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't hear you. Yeah, what was that? Can you what, say it again? What happened? No, sorry. Okay. Okay. So that's the weird. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that there are some animals that are gross. Well, I would say a lot. By our human standards, yes, for them, by civilization, standards. by civilization standards, we consider it gross. They consider it necessary. It is fascinating, though, some of the things that animals can do to woo one another. Yes. I mean, hippopotamuses, which we Ooh. do not have around here, um, their uh, droppings are the cologne that they wear. So oh. it is, it is, eau de cologne where they have their droppings around and their urine. So to impress oh. female hippos, wow. they don't just want to do their business and walk away, they like to spin their tails and fling it everywhere. Like a propeller? Like a propeller, just wow. to make sure that every female in the area can have that cologne smell What's of hippopotamuses. On something like that? Because that's you know, I don't want to be nearby. I don't, I mean, don't it's like shampoo or something. <laughs> they do have some at the zoo where um, near the rhinoceroses and hippopotamuses, they do say, hey, really? this is a zone that you might not want to be oh in because they may want to spray you with cologne. So that's gross. she'll... Check it out, and uh, if he gets her attention, 
she'll also reciprocate with her own cologne of dung. I, I mean, if nothing else, I would say that in the animal kingdom, feces means scat, a lot. Scat, it means a lot. Goes very far. It is used in so many applications, including mating and finding a mate. Yeah, and they're not alone. Giraffes, everybody thinks giraffes are cute. You know, they might not think hippopotamuses are cute. But giraffes will also use urine to woo each other. Mm. So apparently urine is also a multifunctional tool in oh, the animal yes, kingdom. Yes. Mm. It, it's got to go something with the smells. Yes. With, with the pheromones mm -hmm. and getting those olfactory sensors worked up and smelling from miles away. I mean... So, uh, you talk about that. Porcupines use it as well. Coyotes and foxes. They use it to mark their territory, um, too. Deer, uh, we're past their mating season is in November, but again, deer mm -hmm. using those set glands. So, it's, it's a popular behavior. It's a popular behavior at animals, but I think as humans, we can classify it as gross. gross. Yeah, <laughs> gross, gross. I, I have never had a boyfriend. My husband never wooed me with. With such manners, and I'm very grateful for that. Amen. And how, and seconded. That's good. So being the month of love, one of the most popular flowers at this time of year is the rose. And according to fossil evidence, the rose is 35 million years old. Wow. Yeah. So you wonder if those Neanderthals were given their sweeties some roses back in the day. Well, with all the animal flinging of scat and stuff, <laughs> maybe roses smell better. Maybe they weren't as evolved as, as we would like to think, and they were doing some flinging as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess garden cultivation of roses began 5,000 years ago, probably in China. And during the Roman period, roses were grown extensively in the Middle East, and they were used as confetti at celebrations for medicinal purposes and as a source of perfume. And we use them today to signify a lot of different things. Including love. Including love and romance. And they're supposedly perfect for Valentine's Day on February 14th for those who need a reminder. <laughs> it's coming up. <laughs> it's coming up. And different colors of roses mean different things too. So you have to be careful if you give a rose what that you know what it means. What, what color should you look out for? Um, uh, red is love. So if okay. you are not in love, do not be touching red roses. <laughs> okay. Um, pink it's supposed to symbolize gratitude, grace, admiration, or joy. So that's that's a good okay. one to get. You get a pink right. one. It's nice. It yeah. means I like you, but you know, not necessarily don't respect you. Okay. Um, blue roses Ooh. are often used to symbolize mystery or attaining the impossible. How common are blue roses? I mean, that's such an odd. Um, they don't exist in nature. Oh, okay, okay, man-made. <laughs> I think in 2004, researchers did use genetic modifications to create roses mm. um, that contain blue pigment, delphinidin, but it's not, not something that happens in nature. So if someone gives you a blue rose, they went through a lot of work to try to get it to you. So they did that old elementary school experiment where they took some dyed <laughs> water and put the cut semen and then it absorbed? They, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. That, that might be the easy way. You guys all know what I'm talking about. The carnation yep. experiment. We yep. all did it. We cut the end <laughs> off and we saw how absorption happened okay. with the food coloring for sure. Gotcha. But if they took a white rose, that symbolized purity and innocence. And if they made it blue... I don't know. I don't know what that means. Mysterious. Mysterious. Yellow rose is friendship. And orange roses indicate enthusiasm and passion. I don't think of orange as passion. Maybe if you're a Chicago Bears fan. Like, <laughs> I yes! I passion, but also orange. Is that like another common? Peach and orange. Okay. It could okay. be bred okay. into 
the oranges and there's even famous people who have orange oranges <laughs> have roses named after them because oh, cool. um, you can cultivate them i know there's a princess diana rose i feel like in England. The English rose. She was nicknamed the English rose. Um, but I feel like they make a rose species for each of the monarchs. I don't know if it's the monarchs or, or each of the royalty or like, I, I don't know. That's something to look up, dear listeners, because we are not sure. landed so to speak as February is a very important time for our bald eagles and that this is the time of year where they are finding their life mate so they're they're finding them again so they spend some time apart when they're not raising their hatchlings we all need personal time come back together <laughs> and they work on their nests and have their babies their little hatchlings and this is the time where here at the nature center and along the Fox River you will see eagles every day you will and what's cool about what we have here right now at Red Oak Nature Center is we don't just have some adults, we have some juveniles as well. So if you are out on about on our trails and you look up and you think, wow, that's a really big hawk, you could be looking at a juvenile eagle. How do you know it's a juvenile, Miss Renee? Oh, well, if one way to know is, of course, the, <laughs> the plumage. So the feathers are not that striking black and white that we see in adults and we see in all of the media about eagles. They're more brown and they kind of gain white as they get older. So it's not until they're about five years old that they get that full adult plumage, that black and white. So until then, you'll see different varying stages of brown as, as they kind of become that adult. Excellent. So babies, we usually think of as being born in springtime. We do. But for our eagles, the, those families, they lay their eggs now. Now. So they are putting the final touches on their nest by adding in some more leaves and twigs and sticks and corn husks and they are bringing lots of dead things back to the nest so that they have plenty of snacks to eat later. They're, they're filling the pantry. Oh, perfect. You're, you're good at that. You know, you're just really good at the analogies. I love it. And um, it's only about a month of incubation. So mom, dad both take turns sitting on those eggs. Equal and, parenting, gotta respect it, you gotta know, respect it. They both are dedicated, dutiful parents. They are. And after about 30 days or so, those eggs start hatching. And typically you'll find maybe two eggs. You can find three, rarely one. Sometimes things don't work out so well. And what's really awesome is we have so many active pairs of eels here in the uh, Fox River Valley. However, there are no live cameras on them. We do not have live cameras. So yet. maybe this is a hint to some techno wizards who have some... Federal permits first. <laughs> maybe, who are willing to put up some cameras. But what we like to watch is the Decora Eagle Cam. Mm -hmm. And there's many different websites you can go to. Um, but the Decora Eagles have cameras up on their nest. There's actually two nests that they watch. And we've already checked recently, and there's lots of activities. They're getting those those giant nests. I mean, they're building on top of these year after year after yeah, year, and they can reach you know six, seven, ten feet. I'm a massive width. And they of always these. have them way up high. They, they never do. have them down near the ground. They always have them up high. No, I mean you know eagle vision is, is a thing. Okay, <laughs> if, you, if you remember Eagle Man commercials, the Eagle oh Man. Boy. Oh right. boy. <laughs> So those nests that they come back to every year, they add on to every year. So they're kind of doing a little home improvement as a couple. They stay together and then every year they just kind of make that nest a little bigger and better. They do. And um, 30 days of incubation before the eggs hatch and then the babies will be 
raising will be um, growing in that nest all the way through May and it's usually around May June when they start to fledge and fledging means they start testing out their wings getting ready to take flight for the first time and they get to spend all summer long and into fall practicing their flight and having mom and dad show them how to hunt and mm -hmm. find food and what we typically associate eagles eating are fish we do we, we've actually seen them dragging fish out of the river here mm -hmm. right in front of our office which absolutely is but what people don't or may not realize is that they will also eat other things like ducks Ooh. so it's not uncommon to find an eagle bring a duck back to the nest or a squirrel rabbits or rabbits um, and they're also scavengers so if they found something that's already been killed roadkill um, they're not opposed to picking something like that up it's big birds and they eat a lot fair <laughs> and since we do have multi-generations up and down the river it's been interesting to watch them fight for food it reminds me of myself and my son and the last bag of chips and there is definitely a little bit of um, a back and forth shall we say that might be mimicked in the eagle activity out here uh -oh. if you decide to come and peek over the river I showed you how to find that food exactly but I, this is my food you I get provided your own this food, food. <laughs> I've shown you how to get the food and open the bag but uh -huh. this is mama's bag mama's bag of chips I love it I love it now people sometimes call and ask when do, when can we see the eagles they are what? not animatronic we cannot release them <laughs> we don't huge the deer <laughs> um, we can't do that all we can say is that you can see them regularly throughout the entire day um, right now as we speak the Fox River right by us is almost completely iced over and so when that happens they're gonna move on to where there is more open water so they could be heading further south down towards you know the Kankakee or Illinois rivers um, but once it starts opening up again they will be more active in this area so the time to come out is now February has a lot going on here at the Nature Center, so Eagles is one of them. How cool is that? Very cool. Well, I think that that is a pretty good episode for February, a short month, so a shorter episode. So we have given you guys a something. <laughs> Thought, some I think. food for thought. Some stuff to investigate more and to look into, and, and reminders to come visit us even in wintertime. There's still plenty of things happening here. Yes. Um, on our grounds. We won't have whistle pigs running around. We won't Not have yet. groundhogs because they are hibernators, but we do have those eagles in the air. We do have lots of birds at our bird feeder, and of course, our perennial squirrels are always. <laughs> Always busy. Always busy here in the woods. So that's it for this episode of When Nature Calls, the podcast all about nature with each episode featuring a topic from the true to the silly to the bizarre. And if you have a topic or idea you'd like to talk about next, Christy, where can they reach us? Please email us at redoak at fvpd.net. That's redoak at the initials F for Fox, D for Valley, P for Park, D for District.net. We want to hear from you. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you.